What's up, guys? It's Friday, September 4th, 2020. And uh, it's me, it's Fritz. And I think I'm live. I'm not entirely sure about that. I don't have, I don't have chat bubbles up. I can see me uh, playing on, on Twitter and possibly on my YouTube channel. I don't know. It's my first time uh, hitting a, a, a go live button. And also, it's recording in the background. So if I did screw up... <laughs> Hopefully I still have everything, but uh, welcome to this, uh, the first ever, if it's live, live edition of the FritzCast, and uh, I don't <laughs> I don't even know where to begin, man. Uh, we're, we're on, uh, right now, like I said, we're on Periscope, uh, on Twitter, should be on YouTube, DLive, Restreamio is uh, pumping out to a couple different things, and uh, so we're, we're just going to see how it goes. We're going to go with the flow on this one. I'm a little off base going going live. Um, usually used to just sitting here producing out an episode, recording it. Uh, so we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. Anyway, uh, last week I didn't do an episode of the Fritzcast, and, and there was two reasons why I didn't do an episode. Uh, the first and foremost reason was uh, because I finally, uh, for like the first time over the course of the summer, and really in months, uh, my wife and I, uh, along with my wife's aunt, went down to Ocean City, Maryland to a Jeep Week thing. And uh, so we were we were at the beach, Ocean City, Maryland's a beach town. And uh, it was just, it was nice to get away from the house, you know, go somewhere, do something. Uh, it was a big Jeep Week convention thing. Uh, uh, my wife's aunt has a, has a Jeep Wrangler. And uh, it's pretty cool. It's like a, it's like a not a neon green, but it's a nice metallic green color. Um, and it's a it's a Jeep Wrangler JK, uh, you know, big guy. I think it's a 2019 or a 2018. Uh, and I'm somewhat of a you know, wanting of a Jeep you know Wrangler. Uh, the way I put it in my Twitter is I have severe Jeep envy, and it probably wasn't a good idea to go to. <laughs> A Jeep Week event uh, of sorts uh, to see all these Jeeps, all these customization things that you can do with them. You know the the cool things that people come up with to mock up and personalize their Jeeps. And here I am, not having one, can't get one right now. And but here I am walking around and and taking in a giant Jeep Week event thing. It was really, it was cool, but at the same time, you know, it it's not like it quelled your envy at all. It just you know it increased it. It jacked it up by about a million. <laughs> but uh, it was nice to go to the beach though, because obviously we brought my daughter along. My daughter uh, Emmy turns one. On the twelfth, so that's uh, some eight days away, and that's that's insane. Uh, but it was the first time that we were able to take her to the beach, you know, experience the ocean. Like she's done swimming pools, she loves uh, she loves water, uh, she loves taking her baths and all that. Uh, the ocean was a little bit of a different vibe for her though, uh, because I held her I held her up as as these waves came crashing up, and she was just like, "Whoa, water flow! What the hell!" I'm not into this, Dad. Take me back. Um, but uh, she was still fascinated by it. She was fascinated by the water. She loved sand uh, to the degree that, you know, she even tried to eat some of it, which, what can you do? Kids try to eat sand. It's crazy. 
but uh, she loved the sand. She loved playing in the sand. So, uh, you know, we, we, we had a lot of fun with that. And I think it's important to stress that whole we had fun with it aspect thing because ever since, you know, what, March, April, when, when these lockdowns started rolling in, you know, coronavirus took over the world, you know, everybody kind of holed up and was like, wow, you know, this is, this is what we have to do. This is life now. And, uh, you know, it doesn't seem like a big deal at the time. You know, it, it seemed like, you know, okay, not much is being asked of us. We're, we're going to stay at home and, uh, and that'll be that. Uh, but after a while, you get a little stir-crazy. You, you want to have somewhat of a return to normalcy. And it's hard to do that, especially if you're on Twitter all the time, if you're on the Internet all the time, and you go by what the Internet narrative you know, is that's going on. You really get caught up in this different world. I, I call Twitter and, and all forms of social media, Facebook for you know you boomers out there that use Facebook and all that. Uh, I call it a bubble world. It, it, it exists in its own dynamic. Um, and really, uh, I, I think it's not a very good representation of what people actually think. <laughs> despite, despite what you may believe about me being on Twitter a lot, uh, I don't believe <laughs> that it's a, a very representative uh, format, uh, if you know what I mean. Uh, Pew Research did research on this thing, especially when it comes to politics and, you know, things of that nature. Uh, uh, I think it was Pew Research did did the numbers, and it's something like uh, the top 10% or 80% of the top tweets come from like 10% of the accounts. It's like very, on the grand scale, minuscule of, of what's representative of, of the general, you know, populace, you know, what's actually generally accepted and believed. I'm going on a tangent, I'm sorry. Forgive me, but uh, let me backtrack for a minute. So we got into these lockdowns of coronavirus and all that, and and people got stir crazy, and then there was just this wanting of you know a little bit of a return to normalcy. Uh, we get it all the time with the news and stuff. You know, there's protests going on all over the world. Uh, well, all over the world, but all over America. There's, I'm trying to focus on local, you know. Uh, nationwide stuff. So, you know, in America, we have protests going on everywhere. A lot of it over criminal justice reform, and a lot of it we're going to talk about in a minute, especially some of the more heated subjects that have popped up over the past two weeks. Uh, But we have these protests going on, and for the most part, not criticized for large social gatherings, despite the fact that nearly every other large social gathering that, that would happen uh, would be criticized, and you know I, maybe it's people walking a fine line. I'm not entirely sure what it is or what to refer to it as. But uh, you know, I'm if you've watched any of the last couple episodes of Fritzcast, I've said it uh, time and again. I'm at the point where I, you know, I'm I'm done hearing news media. I'm done reading articles. I'm done looking at this from an angle of, you know, at first when the coronavirus broke out, I was all, you know, yeah, you know, if we have to wear a mask, we have to wear a mask. We have to limit the amount of people that are going somewhere. We'll limit the amount of people that are going somewhere. I played along with it. And then things happen, you know, things happen where we see a lot of uh, 
yes for this, no for this, uh, uh, for me, not for thee, you know, practices like Nancy Pelosi uh, going to a, a hair salon uh, that's closed in California, but but Nancy Pelosi can go and do it. And then she wants to say that she was set up for it. Maybe we'll look at that. I don't know if we'll look at that. I'll hold off for right now. Uh, but, you know, when the protests started upkicking, uh, there was articles flowing out about how, you know, oh, there's, there's no coronavirus spread with uh, with these protests because they're observing social distancing and they're wearing masks. If that's the if that's the case, then what is the problem with anybody going and doing anything as long as some social distancing and mask wearing is going on? But that's not the narratives that we get in the news. The narratives that we get in the news is if people gathered and protest the lockdowns, that's bad. But if they're gathering and protesting social justice in the name of criminal justice reform or something of that nature, oh, that's fine. That's good. Uh, and to me, I don't think that you can uh, uh, pick and choose that way. I think it. I would be way more sympathetic to the measures of fighting coronavirus if it was uh, one size fits all in that sense but it's not it's not we protests go on you can't criticize the protest that's bad that's somebody's first amendment right they're gathering they're, they're just expressing their first amendment right if you want to go to a beach for example you're just you're just being selfish you're being a selfish jerk who wants to go to the beach there's a difference between going to the beach and going to a protest. Now, some some of these protests went as far as uh, what am I thinking? Uh, the 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 mail-in ballots thing. You know, let's 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 switch over the election to mail-in ballots so people don't have to gather at the polls. There was a protest of people gathered to protest the fact that they would have to gather at the polls to go vote. Where does that make sense? Doesn't make sense to me, at least. But where does it make sense? And especially, I'm sure this this varies region to region and polling place to polling place. But in the you know three four elections that I've been privy to to vote in that I've been you know that I've engaged in, every time I go to my polling place and it's switched three times in the last three elections, oddly enough. Uh, every time I go into my polling place, there are more polling workers than there are people in line to vote. Usually there's nobody in line to vote, or very, very few. And I walk in the polling place, I'm not even there for a total of five minutes to check in, go to the voting booth, hit the buttons, and leave. And get my I Voted sticker, because you obviously want to get an I Voted sticker. To me, if... if, if protests are okay and we're not going to criticize them and by the way I don't think we should peaceful protests are a constitutional guaranteed right period the end never going to argue against that right but if we're doing that I don't see what the problem is having the polls open now nothing of what I've read suggests that polls that physical polling places will not be open but this is where it gets, you know, into confusing territory and very harsh rhetoric and, and everything online uh, in the discussions. I, like It's like the facts don't even matter. We're just going to keep going on tirades about why voting in person would be bad versus why voting in the mail would be bad. And it becomes this huge jumbled mess. And it's hard to 
break it down and pick it apart, if you know what I mean. So, I did mention that last week I didn't do an episode, and, and I said it was for two reasons. Half the reason was I finally decided to take time, go somewhere, and enjoy myself, you know, with my family, you know, on a vacation, because for this guy, work hasn't stopped. Work actually has increased and become more stressful than it normally would be uh, under the conditions of a coronavirus and, and trying to, you know, minimize an impact, minimize a spread uh, or an outbreak. It, that, that's just added on to normal work stress. Uh, mind you, going on vacation, like th- that was my first time really fully experiencing how people are conducting themselves in a more touristy area, a more vacation-y area than just run-of-the-mill, you know, going to the grocery store, going to a store around town. You know, I don't know how other places in the nation are faring right now and their lockdown rules and all that. I know but he, where I'm at, uh, we're not we're not fully open like everything's normal, but almost virtually every store that you can think of is open. The malls are open. Uh, people can go anywhere. You can dine in a restaurant, uh, both inside and a lot of them have set up outside seating and all that. Uh, so where I'm at, the only real difference is maybe there's some capacities to to buildings for how many people can go in, um, like a certain percentage of fire capacity, uh, and wearing masks. Uh, but other than that, it's not all that different. Uh, so, but in my general grind of just doing that normal stuff, you know, I've n- I haven't run into anybody that's been difficult over this, you know, social distancing and mask wearing. Uh, and now I can say that I've gone to a beach. Much the same. Uh, this Jeep Week event was exclusively held outside, which I believe if you're outside, uh, I don't see the point in wearing a mask. I don't wear a mask outside. I breathe fresh air, and if you're even close to within six feet of me, get out of my space, dude. This is my bubble. This is me and my family's bubble. Go away. So, you know, I had I didn't run into any snags or problems there. You know, I think people generally are, are respectful of it to the degree that we have to be. But uh, I, I digress on that. Uh, so it was interesting to experience that side of things. The other reason why I completely skipped an episode, I could have squeezed an episode in um, over the weekend, but a lot of things were going on. And, you know, I think everybody, uh, maybe this is Twitter syndrome, uh, I think everybody just wants to rush to throw in their two cents or get in on the conversation uh, to our detriment. Uh, I, I think more people, I think over this past two-week span, I've seen more people say or put out tweets uh, or posts on Facebook that, you know, it's okay to not know what you actually think about an issue or an incident or something that happened uh, because, you know, there's there's blurred lines. There's things that we just don't know. And it's hard to sift through some of the some of the rhetoric, man, is so divisive. 
to the to the extent that a lot of times when I read somebody's take on Twitter, I'm I'm reading it and I'm thinking, does this person actually think this way? Are they just trolling? Is this is this a bot? You know what what is this? Because I don't think a normal person thinks this way. And then at the same token, something hits me in the head and says, you know, a lot of normal people ain't on Twitter. <laughs> that might be true. I don't know. Uh, but the rhetoric gets so drummed up. It gets so vitriolic. Like, there's times where I'm thinking this nation's at a breaking point. It's tearing at the seams. There's probably nothing that can sew the fabric back together. You know, sometimes it feels like there's just this inevitable thing that's going to happen. And at times it seems like people want that thing to happen. And, and but, you know, I, I don't want to say it's like people LARPing, you know, I'd like, you know, just live action role play all about um, trying to live out some big historic event so that they can have their big sense of purpose in life, so that they can have their big achievement, that they can say, you know, I fought in the great Portland wars of, you know, Antifa and all that. You know, I don't know. Uh, but it gets so crazy. And a lot of times I can't make heads or tails of things. And I wonder if people are like clamoring for this, this big, like you want to build it up and make it cinematic, almost like a movie. Like it's like, it's good versus evil. And there's, there's a staunch good side here. There's a staunch evil side over here. There's heroes, you know, people are making their own heroes right now over this. And and some of it I can't stomach. Some of it I really can't stomach. You know? And when I say people rush to do the takes, I, I think I gave a pretty bad take uh, with, with Kenosha, with the uh, officer involved shooting there. Uh... I, I I'd have to look for my tweet on it because uh, it was a pretty it wasn't it wasn't a huge thread but I had written something about just totally it was right after it happened and I went on like maybe a five or six tweet tirade I know that's pretty light for a Twitter thread actually considering I've seen some people dive really, really deep into it. But, you know, at a certain point, I believe you, you don't do that on Twitter. You don't do a 94-thread tweet on Twitter. That's a blog post. <laughs> do it on, on do it on your blog, not on Twitter. But I did, a, I did a thread, like, almost immediately after it happened, when the news broke, and I, I just, like, I laid into... I laid into the cop that did it, uh, the whole situation, and then slowly other details come into play. Now, I, still, even with some of the other details into play, uh, I'm with a lot of libertarian people, thinkers. Excuse me, my throat is um, acting up. I'm I'm on par with a lot of libertarian thinkers and philosophers and... and uh, public figures in that I don't want law enforcement I don't want police being judge, jury, and executioner of uh, <clears throat> of our legal system uh, 
in the sense of you know what happened watching videos i mean the first video comes out this cop shoots this guy in the back like seven times which i think to anybody seems like whoa that's way excessive uh this guy was hell bent on just shooting this dude and then other videos come out of how they this uh jacob blakey struggled with the cop with the cops beforehand before that incident of him walking to his car allegedly they're saying that uh he had a knife either on his person or in his car could be could be not and then there's the other information that comes out like uh did the police just randomly show up and and hear this incident happen or was or were the police called because you know this man uh had been charged with third degree sexual assault and actually went back to you know the the woman's house changes the narrative up you know each time uh, another detail changes the narrative up at the end of the day we can still get to a conclusion that you know shooting a guy seven times in the back is a bit excessive uh and uncalled for and unjustified but you know i did my whole take on that and then i felt like i felt like after all this information comes out like you know why do i do this instant take thing why do i try to do this hot take thing why why do i spout out my opinion on something immediately as it happens especially because i oftentimes criticize that on the twitterverse on the internet and even just in general discussion I tend not to be that kind of person, but it happens. You know, emotions get the best of us. And uh, that's no less true in in the case of uh, Kenosha. What happens after this? People go to protest. Protesting has happened for a very, very long time over these past couple of months. Uh, not, over just, not over just the criminal justice reform angle, uh, but... I've been one that says that the COVID lockdowns have, have fueled tensions and fires in people. People have lost their jobs. People are at their wit's end. So what else is there left to do? But there's a difference between... <coughs> excuse me. There's a difference between... Lots of motorcycles driving by my house. There's a difference between protesting which protests have been going on rather peacefully, and then rioting and looting. And, and typically what happens is protests happen during you know daylight. Uh, people are out and about during the day. They gather, they protest. It's mostly peaceful, uh, almost like 99% peaceful. There might be a couple you know knuckleheads in the mix there or whatever. And then the lights go down, and then things get a little more violent things get a little more antsy people who have nefarious intent in their mind come out to play and we get rioting and looting and damages to business and burning down businesses and uh you know burning down and and uh, vandalizing uh, government buildings and all that which you know it's very hard for me to defend anybody that would vandalize and destroy property of another person um sure a, somebody's business isn't necessarily their house but you don't know what they put into that business you know and then people want to like try to brush it off by saying oh they have insurance well insurance costs money uh that came out of their 
business earnings on top of the taxes that they had to pay uh, on top of, you know, maybe they're paying rent or leasing that building. And then there's also the aspect of the insurance doesn't just 100% cover everything and make it magically okay because then insurance rates go up. And now people are saddled with even higher insurance payments, not to mention the fact that they're trying to rebuild something that was destroyed. And what was it destroyed for? What did it accomplish? Nothing. didn't accomplish anything except letting out anger and angst. And you'll never hear me say, that's okay, that's cool, because they're... They're driving for a change. I, I don't think rioters and looters are driving for any change. I just think they're people that like to break shit and are taking advantage of something. And I actually think a lot of people think that way about those things. Maybe I'm wrong. But I will never, I'll never condemn peaceful protesters and I'll never lump peaceful protesters in with rioters and looters. And I'll never say that they are synonymous and that they work hand in hand with each other. I don't think they do. I really don't think they do. But in Kenosha, things got so heated that uh, we have Kyle Rittenhouse, a 17-year-old kid who uh, I believe was shot at least three people, killing two of them, if I'm correct. I might not have those details on lock. I probably should uh, for how long that story's been out. But, I, I, you know, I don't know what to tell you. Um... I will tell you that I have seen people pick apart this story on both sides of the aisle, not objectively, but purely emotionally, not using facts, not using objective reality or objective truth in this. Uh, Surprisingly, one of the best threads that I can pull up, and I'm going to pull it up on screen, uh, is, is from the visual investigation teams of the New York Times. And I'm shocked to say that it was the New York Times to do it uh, because I fully expected them to not be on the side of the spectrum that would present this objectively. Uh, Because a lot of people, uh, uh, when we read into this Kyle Rittenhouse thing, there's a whole wave of people that are saying he's a white supremacist, that, uh, that he went down there with willful intent to just murder people just go ham and it's not really the truth it's not really the narrative he didn't just go down there at night he was there during the day he was there during the day because allegedly he worked there and he was helping clean up uh, vandalism and and graffiti and other things and he was also being a medic uh, on top of you know other things Uh, A lot of people were talking about how he carried this gun across state lines. His legal team is arguing that he didn't actually carry this gun across state lines. Uh, I just want to go to the thread, though, uh, because the thread was rather objective. I'll I'll read from this. This is from uh, Christian Trebert, and there's some videos that uh, I might play in here as well uh, to go along uh, with it. So... Let's just get to it. A, a teenager faces charges and shootings that left two people dead in Kenosha. The New York Times visual investigations team reviewed hours of live stream to track 17-year-old Kyle Rittenhouse's movements during and leading up to the shootings. Uh, in the hours before the shooting incident, uh, these accounts, I'll gloss over them, you can check them out on your own, 
uh, all interviewed Rittenhouse, who said he was protecting a local vehicle dealership together with several other armed men. He also offered medical assistance to protesters. So that right there should be painting a narrative that Kyle Rittenhouse didn't have this malintent of, I'm just going to target protesters and go ham, um, which I've heard people say. But he was actually offering medical assistance, I guess to the degree that he could, um, to protesters. Rittenhouse is around that area in most of the footage we reviewed. About 15 minutes before the first shooting, police drive past Rittenhouse and thank the group that he's with. Quote, we appreciate you guys, we really do. And seen handing out water bottles. This is another rhetoric piece that goes out. Oh, the police are just handed out water bottles to the militia. And, and walking past them, there's a lot of rhetoric we can get into that, into with that, including whether people have the right to be armed at protest or not. In many areas, they do have the right to be armed and protesting, and just having a gun doesn't necessarily make somebody a threat. I get where people are going with it, though. But that being said, we'll continue in the thread. Uh, Rittenhouse walks up to a police vehicle with his rifle slung. And talks with the officers. One tosses a water bottle to the armed men. Uh, Rittenhouse eventually leaves the dealership and is barred by police from returning to there six minutes before the shooting. Uh, To better understand what happens next, we synchronized six live streams which revealed there were two separate shooting incidents about one and a half minutes apart involving multiple gunmen. At 23.19... Rittenhouse is seen in this YouTube live stream. He's being chased into a parking lot. While he's being pursued, an unknown gunman fires the first shot into the air. Uh, we'll see if I can bring up audio. There's a handgun that goes off as Kyle's running away. We have multiple shots there. white boys. <laughs> Play that again. So that's Rittenhouse running away. That's Antifa, man. And then somebody over here fires. Rittenhouse turns towards the sound of the gunfire as another pursuer lunges towards him. He then fires four times with an assault rifle and appears to shoot the man in the head. That's this footage here. Play that from the beginning. Handgun muzzle flash over off to the left. Somebody charging Kyle. Four shots shot by him. It's unclear why Rittenhouse was being chased or why he was in the area of the car dealership about four blocks away from the one he claimed to be protecting. We do know vehicles in this lot were damaged minutes before the first shooting. There's not anything here other than watching people vandalize vehicles. Uh, the initial shot Rittenhouse's four subsequent discharges of his AR-15 style weapon are followed by three more shots in the parking lot. We don't know who fired them. Rittenhouse seems to make a phone call and then flees the scene. This phone call that he made apparent, allegedly was to a friend to say that he uh, had shot somebody, which might not have been smart on his part. 
There's Rittenhouse. While fleeing the scene, Rittenhouse is again chased by several people. He trips, falls to the ground, and fires four shots as three people rush him. One person appears to be hit in the chest, while another, who's carrying a handgun, is hit in the arm. So that's Rittenhouse running away. People are chasing him. He stumbles, somebody runs up onto him, he fires. Somebody comes up with a skateboard. He gets shot in the stomach, shot in the arm, he has a handgun. This gentleman right here. At the same time, we hear eight gunshots from farther away. Mr. Rittenhouse gets up and begins walking north from the scene. And eight more gunshots are heard from closer range. It's unclear who fired the other gunshots. Police vehicles just one block away remain stationary during the gunfire. Rittenhouse walks with his hands up towards the police vehicles as bystanders call out that he was involved in the shooting. Police drive by him to the scene of the shootings without stopping. Rittenhouse's social media profiles proclaim support for pro-police causes like Blue Lives Matter movement and uh, Humanize the Badge. Other posts show him talking, taking backyard target practice with posting with guns and assembling in military style semi-automatic rifle um they continue to investigate this incident uh this is one of the best threads on this issue uh that's out there from the new york times and i like i said i can't believe the new york times has one of the best put together objective threads to look at it that being said there's lots of people talking about rittenhouse some people have labeled him a murderer, um, a mass shooter, uh, a white supremacist, without taking into consideration the fact that uh, gunfire was going all over the place <clears throat> by accounts, New York Times accounts even, and even in the live stream accounts. Gunshots were going off everywhere. This is what happens when some place becomes a war zone, and that's what I referred to Kenosha after this night. I said it's a, it's a bloody war zone. Uh, People are running around, shots are being fired left and right, and people aren't going to be objective about this kind of a thing. It's hard to sit down and break something down like this and remove all facets of emotion from it. It really is. (coughs) Excuse me. Uh, But Kyle Rittenhouse has a case for self-defense here uh uh before i dive into my next portion of my take on this i just want to play this quick law video that uh that'll lay it down good for you look at the second degree intentional homicide statute so if one of those affirmative defenses apply and they're able to drop it from that first degree into a second degree then we're going to jump into this different statute which is what is is in the wisconsin law Whoever causes the death of another human being with the intent to kill that person or another is guilty of a Class B felony if the state fails to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that the mitigating circumstances did not exist as required by 940, which is the previous subsection. So here's this. This is a lot of a, a lot of work, but here's how it works. Kyle goes into court and he says, yes, I did. I did shoot that person. All those people. 
I did intend to shoot all of those people. But this is not intentional murder. This is not murder. This is something where I believed that I was under, you know, an imminent circumstances where my death was going to occur or, or substantial bodily harm was going to occur to me. Therefore, I am sort of exempt from that first degree intentional murder statute. The government has to come back and say, well, what were those circumstances? So Kyle is saying here are my circumstances. It's an affirmative defense because I was being chased. They were threatening to kill me. They were you know, surrounding me from every which way, every angle. They all had, you know, they, many of them had firearms. They were making verbal threats to me, all of those things. Then he can use that and say, that's my defense. Yes, I killed them, but that's my defense which is pretty reasonable. So then the government now has to come back and say, yes, but none of those factors existed. They actually weren't chasing you. They actually weren't threatening you. Or if they were, none of that amounted to what would otherwise be considered an imminent, you know, reasonable uh, threat of death or, or imminent injury to your body. So that's going to be, that's going to be a pretty big question. And we're going to see whether or not that comes up. There is another so that is a, a potential for his defense, especially against the, the willful intent and murder charges. I was really surprised to see those level of charges brought down on him, given the video that I saw. Um, and then reading through this New York Times thread, I, I really felt like uh, they were setting themselves up for failure on that one. Uh but there's another, I said there was another take or another view that I wanted to have of this that I wanted to present to you with, and I do. And Libertarians uh, had, a, had a big all-out discussion on this one, and Libertarians, uh, get ready because I'm coming for you next. Uh, <clears throat> this is a tragic situation. Like I said, this turned into a war zone. This is how people are now. Uh, there's a lot of unpersoning going on. There's a lot of uh, this vitriolic uh, behavior. This this somebody that thinks differently from me politically uh, is my enemy. They are not only just my enemy, but they're also inhuman and they're not worthy of their life. Um, that's that's the rhetoric that's at play here, um, and it's is really bad. It is really bad for us to get into this level of, you know, let's dehumanize the other side. The other side's not only my enemy, but they are unworthy of life. Uh, they're too far gone to be converted. Uh, we can't talk to them. We can't associate with them in any way, shape, or form. And so, therefore, pardon my French, fuck them. That's, that's where we're at. And we have a side here that's tearing down the 17-year-old with uh, uh, baseless rhetoric about, you know, oh, he's a MAGA hat-wearing, uh, uh, cop-loving, uh, you know, more or less Nazi um, with no evidence of such to go on. We have people calling him a mass shooter, a, bl a cold-blooded killer and murderer when that's not necessarily the case here. Um, and this all goes to... There's people who wanted to argue whether he had the right to be carrying a gun. What was he doing there? Uh, you know, th there's a lot of different things that you could say. For me, I don't know about you. All right, I only have a an 11 month old kid that's about to turn one. All right, and I, I all I can tell you is that 
I don't think I don't see a scenario in which I would be telling my kid, you know what'd be a good idea? You should go down to the area where they're doing um where yeah, there's protests going on, but there's also a lot of riots and looting going on. I think you should go down there, uh, take up arms with people, and you know, whatever happens, happens. That that's a war zone. That do I think it was smart for him to be there? No. No, I don't think it was smart for him to be here. Uh, I don't think it was smart for him to be there because you saw the events that played out. I'm not faulting him. All right? And I'm not giving a pass to the the, the people that were committing crimes. All right? Because whether you like it or not, uh, breaking car windows, setting car dealerships on fire, setting buildings on fire, looting buildings, it's all unlawful. There's nothing that makes it a righteous cause. All right? I'm not going to defend that. I'm really not going to defend that. I'm not going to defend a 17-year-old going in that environment with a gun because this is exactly what I would expect to happen. I would expect there to be chaos... Uh, for gunshots to be going off all around, for people to be storming towards gunmen. This is all normal. This is the, That's all normal things that would happen, you know, in this scenario. And if you have a gun and you're not a shooter, but you hear gunshots going off and then people storm up at you, you probably are going to panic. You probably are going to pull the trigger, whether you want to or not. That all boils down to then, how did Kyle feel? Did he feel that he was in imminent danger? There's videos here that would suggest that he was in imminent danger when he was not causing imminent danger. That's the way I see it. But as much as I can defend him in that, there's a difference between me defending him and hailing him as a hero, sainting him, anointing him. I don't like seeing that from the GOP, MAGA side, and even the libertarian side. I don't like seeing this whole anointing of you know, Kyle Rittenhouse, the, the true American badass hero that went out and, you know, I don't see that. And I also don't see people putting up the wanted posters and saying he's a cold-blooded killer uh, who hates people, went there with the intent to murder, you know, and was looking for trouble. I don't necessarily see that fitting this box either. And if you want to say, pick a side to me, that, I don't do that. I don't pick a side. I try to be as objective as I can. And the rhetoric and the vitriol and everything that's going on, playing into the divisiveness, we are getting to a peak point where more of this is going to happen. There, there, there's, um, there, there was a shooting that happened in Portland uh, because there was a big MAGA you know, rally that drove into Portland <clears throat> and a guy ended up getting shot by another man and that man was just shot by police today as they went to apprehend him. America, is this is is this really what you want? Is it do you really want to be at each other's throats to the degree that you're just looking at everybody thinking like is that person my friend or is he going to is, is he my enemy? Is he somebody that I should reach out to or is he somebody that I should cut off entirely? <clears throat> it's really bad. It's really bad. I denounce all of that because I don't want I don't want somebody looking at me just because of the way I look 
or just because of my politics and thinking that I'm their mortal enemy and that I'm unworthy of life because I don't look at I don't look at anybody like that it's a it's a tough situation but this is the situation that we're in <clears throat> now uh moving on from that libertarians have said I'm coming for you and it's coming now. Um, <clears throat> but I have to start with what Trump said about libertarians. I, I just have to real quick. There was tremendous cheating in California. There was tremendous cheating in New York and other places. And if you take a look at the libertarian, you know, they always talk about Jill Stein. Jill Stein took, what, half a percent. They talk about Jill Stein. Well, I have a libertarian. I'm somewhat libertarian. I have to be honest with you. Rand Paul will tell you that. Uh, I have a libertarian candidate on last time that got, what, four and a half or so percent. Those are all Republican voters. They're wasting their vote because they have to vote for us. But this time, the popular vote would be a huge message to the country. If there wasn't a libertarian on the ticket, I would win the popular vote. I would have won it last time. Okay. I love how you see, I record these little videos on my, you know, iPhone. I'll go on YouTube or whatever. I'll record a clip that I want and I'll share it on the computer so I have it. I don't have to click into a web browser and show you, so... You know, you caught my secrets. Damn, whatever. But Trump saying that he's he's a liber- I'm a libertarian. Ask Rand Paul. I'm a libertarian. Um, no, <laughs> just no. And um, <clears throat> as far as uh, Gary Johnson um, taking all of the Republican, those are all those are all Republican voters. Um, no, they're <laughs> they're not all Republican voters. Okay, um, they're really not. Uh, granted. Gary Johnson and Bill Weld probably did attract uh, a fair amount of Republican voters that just did not want to pull the lever for Trump. That's probably a fair criticism, but to say that they all are and to say that he's facing a a huge threat because of libertarians on the ticket right now, I I don't – maybe we're doing something right, but we're really not because that's the the next bit that I'm going into. We're really not doing anything right. Um, because the Libertarian Party came under some flack uh, for a tweet that uh, uh, was in a thread created by Conan O'Brien. Pull it up there. Look at that. Conan O'Brien. Bad news. The Libertarian Convention has been canceled due to participants' moms being unwilling to give them a ride. I don't know why he dropped this joke. I don't know where it came out of because uh, <clears throat> the Libertarian Convention's long been done. Um but this uh, person replied, also, Rand Paul is afraid of somebody on the sidewalk might yell at him. <clears throat> okay, well, it's a pretty bad joke because Rand Paul's not a libertarian. He's a Republican. Um, he's never been a part of the Libertarian Party. Don't know what to tell you. Uh, but the Libertarian Party chimed in and decided they would try to be funny and said, shh, you might spook him. And uh, this caught the Libertarian Party a lot of flack, rightfully so. Uh, number one, because... Let's face it, Rand Paul was attacked by his own neighbor, and there's plenty of rhetoric online from the left about, ugh, everybody, deep down, everybody is Rand Paul's neighbor. God bless that man for beating the shit out of him. This is the divisive rhetoric that we're in now. It's, it's lovely, isn't it? It, it? it sucks. It sucks. So Rand Paul was attacked by his neighbor, by the way, which was over, like, lawn clipping. It wasn't even over his politics. It was over his, like, lawn clippings, okay? I fight with the old heads next door. Um, just because they are passive aggressive and they love nitpicking shit, okay. So I go through 
something like that with my neighbors, but I've never been assaulted by them. Okay, and I would I would hope I would not be assaulted by them. But that that being said, they're referencing um, a couple of nights after the it was one of the I think of the last night of the Republican National Convention. Rand Paul exits with his wife. Um, he has a police escort around him because there's angry uh, protesters that that flock around him, demanding, ch- chanting at him, demanding that he say her name, referring to Breonna Tyler, or Taylor. I, I always screw up names, and I'm I apologize for that. Um, Breonna Taylor. So they they flocked around him. People are like, oh, he's just getting yelled at if you can't handle, uh, if you're a statesman, if you're in politics, you can't handle people being mad at you, you know, get out of politics, put on your big boy bands. Well, the only reason that he wasn't attacked, if you watch the videos, is because the cops were there holding bikes and keeping the crowd at bay. If they weren't, somebody undoubtedly would have rushed up and caused physical harm. At least you can draw a conclusion that it probably would have happened. Uh, it was also very, very stupid uh, because Rand Paul introduced a little bill uh, called the Justice for Breonna Taylor Act, in which he wrote legislation to end no-knock warrants in the United States. Oh, it's actual factual criminal justice change that you're out protesting for, but yet you don't know who is actually pushing forward the legislation in the Senate. Because if none of them knew. None of them knew Rand Paul. None of them knew that he pushed forward this legislation, that he sponsored this legislation. He wrote this bill. They didn't know that. All they knew was Republican, Republican bad, Republicans like cops, uh, and they're not helping us, so fuck them. You become, I'm sorry, that's a crowd of pawns on a chessboard. To me, they're useless, just... There's lots of them, and you can flock them around, and they, they'll do whatever the narrative says for them to do. Uh, but the Libertarian Party posts this. Ha, 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 ha. They deleted this tweet because Justin Amash, one of my favorite politicians, said, uh, I apologize to Rand Paul for this tweet coming from LP National. What happened to him was wrong. Uh, Rand has been my and our ally time and again. I am committed to building a libertarian party that unites millions of Americans and works with Rand and others to advance individual liberty. Uh, To be rebuked by your only sitting elected national official who wasn't elected as a libertarian, he decided to flip. That's telling for the Libertarian Party, and the Libertarian Party has, uh, over the past couple of months, been full of social media blunders to the degree that lots of us libertarian-minded folk are talking about how uh, we're kind of sick of the party. Um, and it begs the question, is the party even really important uh, in the grand scheme of things, which in some cases it's not. In a lot of cases it's not. It, you'll hear me. I, I've stated for this election cycle, that I'm voting for Joe Jorgensen. I interviewed Joe Jorgensen. I interviewed Spike Cohen, her vice presidential candidate. Great interviews. If you haven't watched them, check out my YouTube page. They're there. Um, they're, they're two of my top highly rated episodes uh, of Fritzcast. Check them out. Uh, but that's the route that I'm still in. But there's lots of libertarians talking about I can't support the party anymore. I can't get behind the party anymore because it's just way too hard of, of caving to you know the protester side but also the LP the LP Twitter account 
LP candidates, they've been kind of on the quiet side of condemning violence. Um, they haven't been as vocal as they could be. As vocal as they should be. When we're the party of individual rights, when we're the party of limited government, when we're the party claiming to be the ones that'll bring this change to criminal justice that people want, we're the only... Joe Jorgensen and Spike Cohen, they're the only candidates outside of, you know, the Green Party, Howie Hawkins and all that. I don't know what the Constitution Party's saying about any of this because uh, you have to be really proactive to go out and find the even lesser third party and independent candidates' views on this stuff. Uh, but... Uh, We'll, we'll say this. Joe Jorgensen is the only one that's going to be on all 50 state ballots that's actually offering dynamic criminal justice reform. Whether you like her as a candidate or not, whether you think uh, she has absolutely no chance of winning or not, uh, Donald Trump's not offering that. He's offering law and order, really big caps every time. Law and order! Only uh, up until recently... Joe Biden and Kamala Harris weren't um, as vocal as as decrying the violence and the rioting and the looting. Uh, now they're backtracking and, and trying to get on top of that uh, because there's been a lot of rhetoric up till now about um, how the unrest was going to happen and going to continue until they got what they want. So you got Trump saying law and order. You got... Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris has many a criticism against her as an AG. And Joe Biden has more years in government than I've been alive on God's green earth. Crafting modern-day policy that a lot of what we're living is funneled through actions that Joe Biden took. And now he's going to be the one to fix it? Because because why? Because the progressives are behind him and saying, we'll give you... Our support in good faith, but you're going to cave to our demands. And whether or not that happens, it's just yet to be seen. All right? That's the long and the short of it right now. But the Libertarian Party, my God, talk about a party that that up until now has, has been very lackluster on vision, direction, uh, and impact. Because I'm not even going to I'm not even going to credit the Libertarian Party for the some four million votes four percent of the vote that Johnson and Weld got. I think I think that doesn't really go to their credit as much as it goes to being a Republican light ticket more than anything. But. I digress. I've been rambling for an hour now. Uh, first live edition of FritzCast. If you tuned in live, if you stayed with me for this time, I, I thank you. I appreciate it. And I'd like you to reach out um, either on my Twitter at FritzQS, Facebook.com slash the FritzCast, uh, FritzCastPodcast at gmail.com, on YouTube, what have you, whatever you like to use. Reach out to me and let me know uh, if you liked the live format, if you think I should stay away from the live format. I don't I don't particularly care uh, one way or the other. Uh but if, if you enjoy the show, like, subscribe, uh, uh, find me on these social media sites. We can interact, we can talk, uh, and uh, we can continue the conversation uh, because, let's be honest, the conversation is not really happening right now. A lot of divisiveness, a lot of division, a lot of making enemies is, happen, is happening, but 
We're not doing enough talking. We're not doing enough stepping back and trying to communicate each other's sides to each other. And, you know, I'm at fault for some of that too. Um, But there's only one way to change it. There's only one good way to change it. There's a bad way to change it. I feel like, and unless we do something soon, we might be in too deep. And I don't want that. I don't think anybody should want that. I could go on a tirade about that, but I'm not going to. So thanks for listening for this week, guys. Uh, That's going to do it for FritzCast today. I will be back next week. Uh, At this point, I don't think I'm having any guests. I think the soonest I'm going to have guests is about three weeks out. Um, Might be sooner than that. Uh, But we're getting ready to do some guests. I've been uh, contacted by uh, Joe Jorgensen's campaign to actually interview a couple of uh, libertarian hopefuls from around the the nation that need some airtime. I'd love to talk to them. Uh, I've got a couple of libertarian podcasters that have risen up in the scene over the past uh, couple months that uh, I have on tap that uh, are ready to come on the show. So there is things in the in the making. There's going to be some guests uh, and uh, some other fun things too, including looking at voting, voting styles, uh, and and is there dynamic changes that we can make in the voting system in the United States? So all that's coming up. Uh, in the coming weeks and months leading up to the election, there's going to be a lot of interesting subjects to tackle. So thanks for listening, guys. It's Fritz, and I'm out.